Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Welcome to The Megan Kelly Show, live on Sirius XM Channel 111 every weekday at noon East. Welcome to the Megan Kelly Show and happy Monday. It's Thanksgiving week. Yay. That's exciting. Hope you have great plans. The owner of the social media platform, formerly known as Twitter and renamed X, Elon Musk, is going to war with the, fo- the vile, disgusting media matters. They're awful. They're dishonest. If you hear media matters says you, all your antenna should perk up. I'm about to be fed some bullshit. You may know Media Matters as a progressive organization that uses pressure campaigns to suppress speech, where they usually focus their hate on Fox News and any conservative commentator. I have been the victim of their smears many, many times over the years, which is why I have the opinion of them that I do. But they have started a new mission more recently, trying to get advertisers on X to leave the platform. They're trying to kill X. They can't stand cannot stand that there's one platform not controlled by their people. It's very annoying to them that Elon Musk will not bend the knee to them. So this group whose owner has offered anti-Semitism of his own in the past now claims to be indignant, not the owner, but the CEO. He's indignant that Elon Musk allegedly posted something that was anti-Semitic. And now the media jumps right in. Yes, great. Elon Musk, Twitter, it's anti-Semitic. All these same organizations that have been calling for a ceasefire right now. All these same organizations that have been promoting the messages uncritically from the river to the sea, Palestine will be free. Now they're really concerned about alleged anti-Semitism because the guy who allegedly said something controversial and the platform at issue is Elon Musk and Twitter. Today, Musk is fighting back, promising he will be, quote, filing a thermonuclear lawsuit against Media Matters and all those who colluded in this fraudulent attack on our company. That's how he put it. We're going to get into this and more, including the birthday of our president, Joe Biden. 81 years today, the American public got him some absolutely terrible polling. Two of our favorites here to go over it all. Emily Jashinsky is culture editor at The Federalist and host of The Federalist Radio Hour. And Eliana Johnson is editor of The Washington Free Beacon, co-host of the podcast Inc. Stained Wretches. And delightfully, one of my two co-moderators 
at next month's GOP debate. The third is Elizabeth Vargas of News Nation. Together, our guests today are the EJs, Emily and Eliana. What kind of fun is waiting for you at Kings Island? The holy cow, we're way too high and here comes the drop kind of fun. The make a splash all summer kind of fun. The I can't believe I ate that whole funnel cake. Let's get another kind of fun. But most importantly, at Kings Island, you'll find for the fun of it kind of fun. Don't wait to start your fun this season. Kings Island is now open weekends. Welcome back. You guys can try out some of your debate moderating on me. <laughs> I, I have every confidence you would hit all of these questions out of the park, EJ, number one. Um, or maybe you're number two. It just depends on the day. So I'm very into this whole Elon Musk thing because I can't stand Media Matters, as I seem to have referenced two minutes ago. Um, I mean, I've been dealing with this group for a long, long time. Since I joined Fox uh, and started coming up, they would take anything and everything I said completely out of context, try to spin it into a controversy, and then try to get me fired. I mean, over and over and over and over my entire career. And then, including to when I went to NBC, they pushed and pushed and pushed anything that I said that they could make into controversial all over the internet. Their sole goal is to get conservatives fired to get anybody right of center, fired, ruined, canceled. That's what they exist for. I cannot believe that these companies, these big blue chip companies are jumping when Media Matters says jump. They're, are they so clueless? They don't understand that this is a hack organization, that you can't trust anything this group does. So we'll talk about what they're actually doing. Emily, let me start with you on it. What what they appear to have done is they went on Twitter. This is according to Elon and Twitter, um, X, same, same group. They say that what happened, Media Matters came out and said, a bunch of these blue chip brand advertisements are appearing next to anti-Semitic content on X. So you could be scrolling along innocently looking for Thanksgiving table ideas. What's the best cranberry sauce? And um, you could see an IBM ad or you could be searching up how much I hate the Jews and who else feels as I do. And then, boom, there's the IBM ad. And they went to IBM and they went to all these other blue chip companies and said, your content is appearing next to all the Jew hatred. So, of course, they were like, oh, I don't want that. That wasn't part of the deal. And now they're pulling their ads from Twitter, all of them on Moss. And Twitter was already hurting with advertisers since Elon took over. So this actually could be a bet your business situation for him. But why is it that we do not believe the Media Matters alleged discoveries, Emily, are to be trusted? Yeah, I mean, Media Matters, as you said, Megan, is essentially a leftist advocacy group that exists to ask, to beg, to demand that corporate America and corporate executives police the boundaries of the free press. They, that is their entire existence, which should, of course, in theory, be something the left is bitterly hostile to. This idea that corporations should pressure journalists to monitor the boundaries of their speech and to do it, by the way, in a obviously ideologically leftist direction. Uh, people don't think about Media Matters that way. In fact, Ben Collins, who is the disinformation reporter at NBC, referred to, quote, Media Matters researchers today, which if you're a disinformation reporter, Ben Collins loves to actually spread disinformation 
uh, as the disinformation reporter, it's actually kind of a great title for him, ironically, but you should probably not be referring to them just plainly as researchers because they're advocacy uh, activists, essentially. That's what they are. And Elon Musk, in his statement that he posted to X, said he has reason to believe that they were rigging the algorithm to get these reports. And he specifically mentioned, as you said, Megan, uh, fraud. And then Stephen Miller, formerly worked for President Trump, responded to Elon Musk in a tweet saying fraud is both a civil and a criminal offense. The attorney general of Missouri said that his team was looking into this on behalf of Musk because if media matters, I don't know, Megan, you would know this better. I don't know what potential legal action could be on the table or legal vulnerabilities media matters would have in here. I think that would be a really difficult case to make, but they are representing, you know, legal, illegally or otherwise, they, they are representing advocacy as research. And what's worse than an advocacy group doing that is the media laundering it as though it's some sort of neutral piece of research rather than a completely rigged. And I don't doubt Elon Musk's uh, accusations here that they, you know, created a couple puppet accounts and intentionally started following, you know, the the people who would be spreading or the topics where you were more likely to find this kind of information and then presented it as though, you know, this was representative of the average Twitter user, the average X user's experience when in fact it was Wait, just let me just stop right you there because that's important. That's important. Yeah. So that would be like if I wanted to bring down Elon Musk, I'd go on Twitter under the name, you know, Madge Kerwin. And I would just start following, following, following all these anti-Semitic accounts. And there are some for sure. I mean, Twitter is a place for free speech like America, and you're going to get nasty takes. And unlike the previous regime, Elon doesn't ban them all. You know, the, the most extreme cases he will, the, the threats of violence and so on. But he doesn't ban them all. So in any event, like anybody knows, your user experience is like curated by you. The algorithm learns what you like, what kind of content you like, and then starts serving it back to you. So you're saying Madge Kerwin would quickly be identified by the by the X algorithm as like somebody who really likes the anti-Semitic stuff. And then if Madge stays on long enough, the ads are going to pop up from the blue chip advertisers who have bought mass space on X, but they're not popping up to Megan Kelly, to Emily, to Eliana, because we're not running after that. Only if you're somebody who's seeking out the content, is that stuff going to be served up to you? Right. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so that's Elon Musk's accusation that they intentionally, this report is based on accounts that were intentionally created uh, to rig the algorithm to deliver these results. And so it might not be that the report is wrong. You know, I'm sure they were able to create accounts that this content was served up on, and then they go and present it to Microsoft and Apple and whomever else. And, you know, they're very media savvy. Media Matters to your point, has been doing this for years. They absolutely know the pressure points of corporate advertisers. Uh, but you know whether this is legitimate research, I think is highly dubious. And I look forward to Elon Musk uncovering uh, what Media Matters was up to here, because I think the more transparency there is in this advocacy that's allowed to be laundered into the press as some sort of like neutral uh, academic research is absurd. So this is what um, an executive at X previously told Fox Business, Eliana about the way they, they do advertising, um, you know, the way they, I guess, ferret out the ads purchased by advertisers on Twitter. Ads follow people on X. They follow the people. So the, they figure out, again, what you like, and then they'll, come, they'll pop up on your feed. In this case, the Media Matters research 
that was going to actively look for this content, actively look for this content. That's how user targeting works as it relates to the platform itself. Control settings are in place for every user and every brand so that you can try to minimize this kind of content if you want to. The executive claim groups like Media Matters aggressively search for posts on X and then go to the accounts. And if they see an ad, they keep hitting refresh to capture as many brands as possible. So you can make it look like, oh, gee, you know, they just link these anti-Semitic posts with IBM or whatever the, the, the brand is all over Twitter. You know, so I'm just innocently scrolling and boom, something terrible about Jews and IBM sponsored it. Whereas, in fact, the only way you're going to get this is basically if you did what Media Matters did. Right. This reminds me a little bit, and we've had this, we've had this happen a few times. You know, if you run a publication, people email you about the ads that appear on your site. And if you have a Google, um, a Google ad function, the ads that are served to a user are based on their Google searches. <laughs> and so, you know, you'll get emails from people who say, you're advertising pornographic images or a people's <laughs> pump for this or that. And you kind of want to reply and say, that's because you're Google searching, you know, OMG. this, that, the other, like these things are, uh, they are of course based on, um, your own. And, and this isn't the exact parallel, but it is sort of like that. It is of course, based on what you're generating back to yourself. It's a mirror image type of thing. But I have to say, like, I, I, right now, I do think this is a little bit of a red herring. Um, oh, because for me, this is like, sort of like, Elon Musk media matters a little bit like the Iran Iraq war. And I'm probably the odd man out in this conversation of the other EJ and MK. Um, I, I do think Elon Musk himself, and this is separate and apart from the ads that um, Twitter is serving up to users has been pushing uh, anti-Semitic tropes through his account on Twitter. Uh, he just did it a few days ago. Um, and at this time in this country, I, and I think he is rightfully taking heat for this, he denies this. Um, but, you know, for those of us who are Jewish, like we can, we know what this stuff means. We can see it. And so when I look at this, I just see like, it's hard for me to take a side in this. Like, I don't feel sorry for him. I don't like media matters. And, uh, and you know, I I don't know what to say here, but it is it is concerning to me that the wealthiest man in the world with so much power who owns an entire social media platform is using it um, in such an irresponsible manner. And I'm talking about his own personal account, not his the tweets. OK, his post. Uh, yeah, I guess we call it. That, let's talk about that. Let's let's talk about that, because I, I confess I have not been following, you know, Elon's postings bit by bit. But the one that he was really getting hit for, I saw why it was controversial. And then I understood his clarification. So you tell me if it goes beyond this. The one that's being blown up right now, because it hit on the same day as the Media Matters hit piece, was some account, I don't know, tweeted out, um, okay, they they said, they, they were, this is my take on it. I, I believe that this person was trying to say they had no empathy for liberal Jews who didn't fight the woke battles and didn't care about the open border until now. He was kind of like, I think that's my interpretation. He was kind of saying, you know what? Spare me your tears because you, you help create the mess we have in America. And I really don't feel that sorry for you now that you're saying, oh my God, the college students and all this stuff. But that's 
my own take. I'll read you what he wrote. He said, Jewish communities, this is not Elon. This is somebody that Elon agreed with. Jewish, com Jewish communities have been pushing the exact kind of dialectical hatred against whites that they claim to want people to stop using against them. I'm deeply disinterested in giving the tiniest shit now about Western Jewish populations coming to the disturbing realization that those hordes of minorities that support flooding their country don't exactly like them too much. You want the truth said to your face, there it is. Now that's not a good tweet. <laughs> no one's going to defend <laughs> the way this was written or said. I get your I get your point, Eliana. But I'm I'm trying to read this, you know, as as generously as I can because because I think I'm I'm trying to look at what Elon saw. And Elon replied, "You have said the actual truth." And then he clarified that he was referring to the Anti-Defamation League, Elon was, the ADL, saying that they unjustly attacked the majority of the West, despite the majority of the West supporting the Jewish people in Israel. It's not right. It needs to stop. And he, so Elon's clarification is basically to my point, like, yes, there's this group that says it's pro-Jewish, but it, it's constantly criticizing whites. That's not wrong. It's constantly advocating, advocating for things like open borders. So it could be a CYA. Right. Is that your feeling? That's your, he's covering his ass there. And he meant it more broadly, like the Jews are in control and they're they hate white people or, you know, it could be legit. What do you think? Uh, my personal view is that all I can see in front of me is the tweet that you read and his response, which is you have said the actual truth and it is totally unacceptable. And the, the Washington Free Beacon has editorialized against the tactics of the Anti-Defamation League. Um, I share his criticisms of them. That said, I can say easily, we of course share their goal. We seek the same things. We disagree with them on what is the best way to get there. Um, I think it is appalling at this time in history to see a tweet like that to say you have spoken truth uh, to somebody who says, I am deeply disinterested in giving the tiny shit now about Western Jewish populations uh, coming to the disturbing realization, um, you know, that people don't like them too much. Um, it's it's appalling. And, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. Think and be careful with what you say. Hmm. It's he's but the guy's not saying I'm deeply disinterested in like Jews pain or what happened to them in Israel. He's saying deeply disinterested in giving the tiniest shit now about Western Western Jewish populations. So I think he's referring to us and those in Europe coming to the disturbing realization that the hordes of minorities flooding into their country don't like them. I mean, to me, this sounds like a an America first type who really cares about the border being really inarticulate about his frustrations over not being supported. And this is kind of how Tucker got in, in trouble last week. Um, right. Like he's an America first. Well, I, I'll let him describe who he is, but he, he's, he supports much of the Trump agenda. And he definitely is very, very, very anti-open borders. And it's true that some Jewish people have been on the woke side of these issues. And this is why Trump has been out there like, why don't they vote for me? Why don't they vote on their own? But, you know, Ben Shapiro was pointing out, Eliana, to to do a sweeping representation of Jews is not the way that he points out most most Orthodox communities like his and like the folks 
I lived within New York in my building, um, they're they're much more conservative. They they're not right. This is like they they get lumped into this sort of, you know, they're part of the Western Jewish population. And so it's too sweeping. Anything that's too sweeping gets you in trouble as whatever, you know, it could be in, in this case, anti-Semitic. I think that's exactly right. Um, he says Jewish communities have been pushing dialectical hatred. Um, you just can't say stuff like that. Um, you can't you can't paint with that broad of a brush. If he wants to say okay. left wing Jews, fine. Um, but and and for Elon Musk to pick this tweet to tee off of is not right. Uh, okay, he's an fair, fair enough. Now, here's here's where the story gets interesting. Really interesting, though, Emily. Cue the New York Times, <laughs> the L.A. Times, um, virtually every publication, MSNBC, MSNBC, which, as far as I know, still still employs Mehdi Hassan, among others, who, who's like the chief Hamas defender on television. They're outraged at the anti-Semitism here uh, by allegedly by Elon, by X, they, they're getting the vapors. They need the vapors that they're, they're so horrified at this blatant display of anti-Semitism. Spare me. It's another interesting part of the story, as you mentioned, because Jonathan Greenblatt of the ADL, the Anti-Defamation League, also thanked Elon Musk. I think it was on Friday because Elon Musk uh, banned from the river to the sea or said that this was uh, a, it's part of Twitter's prohibited speech policy to say from the river to the sea or to even talk about decolonization. And Jonathan Greenblatt then reached out to Elon Musk and said, thank you for taking this much needed step. So Elon, I think Eliana said something, you know, think before you tweet. I think that's one of the more, I guess, interesting things about his leadership, not just of X, but also of SpaceX. You know, you've got billions of government dollars on the line, Tesla. He's got these massive geopolitical relationships. Just last week, Elon Musk was with Xi Jinping in San Francisco. I mean, this guy has a lot of balls up in the air and he just tweets through all of it. He's just posting through the whole thing. And I think sometimes that's where it's like, well, what is X actually doing? What is X? You know, he was a free speech absolutist, but then he comes down on the side of, you know, not even like this is kind of that question of whether you should be able to talk about decolonization. I think sometimes when people do it, there's an imminent threat of violence. Same thing with from the river to the sea. Elon Musk will go to the mat for free speech absolutism over and over again. But then as he's just sort of posting through the day, he'll say, well, no, no deal, no talk of decolonization at all. Um, no use of from the river to the sea, which again, I think often is used in that context of an imminent threat. Uh, sometimes it's sort of the wink, wink, you know what I mean, ethnic cleansing. Um, but he's just saying, period, none of it. Uh, and and the media reacts uh, in the, the least nuanced way possible, where they just take these pre-packaged narratives that are served up on a silver platter to them by media matters. And, you know, they, they go right to their fainting couches uh, and can't even talk a little bit about where this gets more complicated, where Elon Musk gets more complicated, what he might have meant. And I think also per the conversation you were just having with Eliana, my guess is that he had in mind some of those powerful scenes from London, from New York City recently, uh, where you just have rank 
anti-Semitism. You just have rank anti-Westernism, anti-Americanism, people pulling down American flags, replacing them with Palestinian flags. I I imagine that's what he had in mind, not trying to, you know, put words in his mouth or cover for him. Um, But I I mean, the media isn't talking about any of that. And yeah, that that is frustrating. That does bring out that side uh, in some people. Well, and not only that, but you've got Eliana, Media Matters, <laughs> the the guy who runs it, the chairman and president, this guy, Angelo Carusone or Carusone, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to pronounce it. I see him pop up every once in a while in the, in the New York Times or on CNN where they're trying to pretend that he's some objective media <laughs> analyst instead of a partisan hack who gets paid to tear down conservatives. That's what you get paid for, Angelo. You're disgusting. Okay. Um, you look at just a quick like search of how he's spent the past 10 years. And this is just, I mean, I have my own ind- independent memories of Media Matters, but um, worked as an organizer uh, for StopBeck.com, trying to get Glenn Beck canceled. Led a pressure campaign against Rush Limbaugh. This is before Media Matters. Uh, trying to get him canceled. In October 20, 2012, while with Media Matters, began organizing for the Dump Trump effort, a pressure campaign formed to convince Macy's to stop its business partnership with Trump due to his role in the so-called birtherism controversy surrounding President Obama. I mean, we could keep going. Then he's got his own controversial comments where he's referred to um, trannies, Japs and Jewry. Okay, so that's he says he can say that term Jewry because he had a Jewish boyfriend. I think it's one of those things, sir, where unless you're Jewish, you're not allowed to. Okay. Sorry. Uh, it's just not how it works. Go consult the rappers. They'll explain to you the rules of these games. Um, in any event, there, it goes on and on. And he has been accused of anti-Semitism in the past. So on. So like for, for this guy, like they'll just print him, you know, that these same publications that are now calling Elon and Twitter anti-Semitic, they'll use him as an expert. They'll ignore what they themselves have done over the past five weeks. And the whole story will shift to these right wing extremists who hate Jewish people. And by the way, that's what makes corporations take this seriously. It's not just because some crank leftist activist group is throwing out so-called research. It's because the media will quote him as like some neutral, objective observer, a media expert, and they will do the same thing to these studies, so-called studies and reports and research that they put out. So it's one thing to have a crank leftist activist group do that. It's an entirely different thing to have the media treat it as though it's not advocacy and activism and entirely ideological and partisan. That's the thing. So, I mean, Eliana, it's amazing to watch the New York Times hit Elon Musk and Twitter for their alleged support for, uh, you know, anti-Semitism or Nazism. They just hired a Nazi. They just hired a guy who specifically said he loves Hitler. (laughs) But that they'll get totally away with that, Eliana. I don't remember the Media Matters hit piece on the New York Times. Look how great you are Hitler. That's what the New York Times' latest hire <laughs> said. Okay, so I'm wa- Angelo, hello. I'm waiting for your hit piece on the New York Times. Eliana, I think we're going to be waiting a oh. long time. Oh, yeah. And look, 
what um, what none of these people are going to say is they're all on the same team. Um, the the mainstream media and media matters. Um, there's not much distinction between them. And what makes media matters effective is that what the business that they are really in is the ginning up of public pressure campaigns through the use of um, media, uh, through the use of news stories and media to ratchet up. Um, to ratchet up public attention and public pressure on um, on corporations um, to exact a financial, political, reputational cost uh, to achieve their desired political outcomes. And so what we're seeing with Elon Musk and X is create news stories um, to uh, and, and negative narratives against these corporations that advertise with the goal of forcing them to pull their advertising from X um, with the ultimate goal of exacting, um, of hurting the bottom line of X and hurting Elon Musk. Uh, it was the same story with Fox News, but um, they're um, they're reading, you know, they're running the same playbook with every single one of these. And they do it quite effectively because it is actually not that hard to do if you have a, um, a very friendly relationship uh, with the mainstream media. Mm -hmm. And it, so far we've had, um, Apple, Bravo, IBM, Oracle, and Xfinity allegedly go up to pro-Nazi content. That's what Media Matters reported. And several of those have pulled their ads because Media Matters went to them and said, why are you supporting Nazis? Why are you supporting anti-Semites? Your, your content's all over, uh, you know, these posts on X. And so many of them have now pulled by the way, Libs of TikTok reports one from Apple and one from Disney, two ads currently on TikTok, a different platform mm. being supported, okay, by Apple and Disney, both over there supporting TikTok. Right after days ago, they had a viral trend praising Osama bin Laden. So if you praise a guy who killed 3,000 innocent Americans, it's fine. Apple is going to con continue advertising with you. But if you uh, go over on X and generate an anti-Semitic account that then gets advertised because of the algorithm, that's it. You got it. We're out. We're taking the high ground. I mean, it's just so transparent. Emily, they want to kill X. They want to kill it because Elon runs it and they can't stand conservatives. And will there ever be a story on the corporate hypocrisy? I mean, that is a good news story on how these decisions are made in corporations and the hypocrisy of continuing advertising on one platform while pulling it from another. Because, yeah, and, and I mean, those corporations don't care about Mehdi Hassan because there's no leftist crank group that's able to masquerade itself as some neutral observer because, again, the media won't let them uh, to, right to police Right wing speech. crank group. Right, right, right. To, yes. Yeah. To police speech from the other direction. And I think this is why Elon Musk has been trying really hard to build up a subscriber user base on Twitter, which is smart because in this environment, uh, it's why, for instance, you have so many great mm. writers that are at Substack now um, because companies get spooked by stupid, quote unquote, research by groups like Media Matters, because A, part of it is that you have executives in C-suites who do get spooked by this. But the other part of it is that these news organizations and their business Business executives are now staffed by people who are ideologically uh, fellow travelers with the cranks at Media Matters, the ideological cranks at Media Matters. And so on the one hand, some people are just that, you know, they, they buy it, they're on the same page. And the other people are terrified 
of these stupid advertising controversies because Media Matters then goes to NBC and NBC reports that anti-Semitic content is being posted next to Apple content and Apple ads and Apple ads are boosting anti-Semitism on X. And so it's this vicious, vicious, vicious cycle that repeats itself over and over again. And one of the only ways to get around it is to have a subscriber base. And that's why, for example, so many people have taken their work to Substack. It's why Elon Musk is trying to create Twitter subscribers that get you know an ad-free experience and are subscribing to individual users so that it makes advertising dollars less powerful and makes groups like Media Matters less powerful. I don't know that that has worked so well for him so far because Twitter is already a pretty small slice of the population, daily users compared to Facebook and Instagram and TikTok. But you can understand why he's working really hard to make that model successful because it, it gives way less power to the corporate press and to uh, their little uh, fellow travelers at Media Matters. Twitter must succeed. Elon Musk must succeed with X. It, it's important to the future of the country. I think about one of the issues near and dear to my heart, as you both know, and that's what's happening with children who have some gender confusion because it's being pushed on them by a society that's forgotten its core values. And you weren't even allowed to talk about this prior to Elon taking over X. You couldn't post a tweet saying a man cannot become a woman, period. There's only one thing that's a woman. She's born a woman. She's a, wo a woman her whole life. You couldn't say things like that. Thanks to Elon, now you can. And, and yes, allowing free speech allows a lot of things. Like, look, I am somebody who is, these things that, you know, these groups, these students for justice in Palestine on college campuses, if they're not actively threatening Jewish students, I don't, I don't think they should be pulled. I, I don't like what they're saying at all. I don't support these groups at all. But I kind of like the fact that they're outing themselves and their crazy ass views so we know who they are. I'm totally pro not hiring them, <laughs> but I'm not pro shutting down the speech that this is America. You can say hateful things. That's, you know, that's who we are. If it crosses over into threatening on a college campus, you, you may get yourself in trouble. But on Twitter, on, you know, in the public forum, you're allowed to say things that are considered vile. And I think it's actually a bonus because now we know who you are. Just this week, uh, we, this weekend, it was I found out about this doctor, a resident at uh, the University of Tennessee in their medical program. She's a resident and she's posting all over online about basically her Jew hatred. <laughs> okay. So, and, and somebody was saying, here, I, I'm actually just going to pull it up so you can hear it because it's, it's dark. And I don't want this person not to be able to say the th these things. I absolutely want her to say these things. So then I can say what I want to say. Her name is Dr. Amina Alkaswani. Al She's at uh, University of Tennessee Healthcare Services as a dermatology resident. This is what she posted. I have an easier solution. Somebody said Palestine will be free from Hamas. She said, I have an easier solution. Without Israel, there would be no Hamas. Let's get to the root of the problem. The problem is just get rid of Israel. Then she said, your Zionist folks are swimming in blood money, and I doubt they would want to do honest people work like we do. This person, I mean, Aliana, you, you mentioned you're Jewish. Imagine walking into not knowing that this dermatologist feels the way she does about Jewish people, and you sit in her office, and she's having to screen you for skin cancer. Your life is literally potentially in her hands. And then you find out this is how she views Jewish people. I mean, it's 
You have a right to know. You should know. If we shut down the speech time and time again, we're not going to know. And then I feel like we're worse off. I'm with you, Megan. I want to know um, what people's views are. And I think employers ought to be able to make informed decisions about who they hire and who they don't hire. And all of this should be done um, with with eyes wide open. And I, I think one of the benefits of this is that it it is having a salutary pushback against the infantilization of college students and even of high school students that we've seen over the past two, three decades, uh, where we've treated adults, um, these kids on college campuses, um, 18 years of age and higher, they're adults. They can smoke cigarettes. They can serve in the military. They can drink alcohol um, starting at the age of 21. And yet we treat them as though, um, their informed voluntary speech should have no reprisals on things they, uh, do the rest of their life. They are perfectly free to say what they would like. That doesn't mean that there are no consequences for their speech. Mm -hmm. Especially on this issue. It's, it's not like, you know, some benign left, right thing. You, many of these students, not all, but many of these students are openly blaming the murder of children on the children themselves. You asked for it is basically what they're saying. It's all Israel's fault. You brought it upon yourselves and have shown zero empathy for tortured, murdered, terrorized Jewish civilians. That says a lot. Maybe it doesn't to somebody else. To me, it says a lot. And not only do, would I never hire such a person, I would never go to a doctor who felt like that. I, even as a Catholic, I don't want anybody who feels this way anywhere near me. It's disgusting. So in any event, uh, there's a, there's a sort of a distinction here between allowing the speech and recoiling and shutting it down altogether. The latter of which is really un-American unless the speech is crossed over into open threats that make someone, you know, incapable of actually being safe, not, not just my truth, but like objectively unsafe conditions. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back. There's so much more to get to you guys. Those polls for Biden. Oh my God. What a birthday present. I mean, for Trump. Ready for a new and exciting career challenge? At DHL Supply Chain, you're part of a team committed to creating innovative solutions for some of the biggest brands in the world. We're recognized as a best place to work, where people are valued, supported, and respected. DHL Supply Chain is hiring for a wide range of salaried operational and functional roles. Previous experience in logistics is welcome, but not required. All opportunities, no boundaries. DHL Supply Chain. Apply today at joindhl.com. All right, ladies, uh, there are a few new polls out and oh my goodness, they are not good for our now 81 year old president. Biden's 81. Can we just start? I mean, how is this man going to make it through five more years of being president? Right. One. And then if he wins reelection, another four. He, eight, he's 81. Think about, can you imagine an eight, 86 year old Joe Biden? Just the other day, we played a clip of him just three years ago when he was running. And he seemed so much more spry than he does today. 81, Emily. I just, I don't mean to sound nasty. It's, it's not coming from a nasty place. It's coming from a, just an observational, uh, observational place. I don't think he can do it. 
No, I mean, I don't think he can do it either. And in fact, I actually thought, you know, when he was running for president in 2020, he was already a stark contrast from when he left the vice presidency in early 2016. Uh, there was a huge, huge difference between 2016 Joe Biden and then 2019, 2020 Joe Biden. And since then, it has gotten progressively worse. And I think actually that's where you see that uh, sort of become even a bigger campaign issue for him because people have sort of watched Joe Biden age rapidly before their eyes. So it's one thing to come, you know, from 2016 and then come back in 2020 and be old. But when it's happening in front of the public, I, I think people uh, on the one hand, you know, it shows a, a lack of uh, capacity to handle the daily duties. It's also really hard to watch. Uh, I feel like I'm speaking for a lot of people, like it's very uncomfortable and, and painful. It's embarrassing for the United States, but also just on a personal, like person to person level, watching him struggle, it, it feels awful. You, you feel badly for the guy to a certain extent. And then you realize, no, he's he's installed himself in this position of power uh, because he thinks he should have it, even though he clearly shouldn't, because just on mm -hmm. a basic competency level, he can't handle the job. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's there's 81 for some people is different than 81 is for other people. And, and Joe Biden at the age of 81 is in, in incredibly rough shape. And the entire country can see that. And that's why even Democrats uh, a majority of Democrats, even a majority of Democrats, wish they had another option. Alan Dershowitz is 85. Just for the record, if you're starting to feel like, oh man, I don't want to, you know, I don't want this to happen to me. Alan Dershowitz is 85. He's got the sharpest mind of anybody I know. It's incredible. I'm like, his, it's crazy. So you can keep it together and stay sharp well into your 80s and beyond. It's just not happening in the case of Joe Biden, and, and we can tell. Um, it reminds me of a joke that uh, some one of the comedians told about John McCain. Remember, he ran as a maverick and they were saying John McCain was too old. John McCain was too old. And the comedian was saying he really is a maverick. They say he's too old. And what does he do? He keeps aging. <laughs> <laughs> That's Joe Biden today. Just as a middle finger to everybody, he turns 81. How you like me now? Not so much is the answer, Eliana. Big new NBC poll, 1,000 registered voters. Not as good as likely, got to be honest, but okay, tells us something. Presidential approval rating now at 40, a, a drop of six points from last January. Disapproval, 57. Uh, that went up seven points from last January. Steve Kornacki says that is the lowest President Biden has ever measured in our poll in terms of job approval. Look at the sea change from the start of the year, he went on. Democrats coming off a strong start following the 2022 midterms. The advantage has eroded. His approval among independents, 30%, 63% of independents disapprove. And one in five, more than one in five of Democrats disapprove of the job he's doing. Kornacki adds Eliana you need much more unified support in your own party if you are going to have a successful reelection campaign. So it's just nonstop, right? Every day we get a new one of these and they, they're all going in the, in the same direction. Polls for him are apocalyptically bad. And I think what all of us are trying to reconcile is that from the 22, 2022 election on, um, several special elections, Democrats have performed well. And so either Democrats uh, perform well when Biden is not on the ballot, um, and that's the secret, 
or the polls are wrong. Um, it's it's tough to figure quite what's happening with Democrats' overperformance from uh, um, from what Biden is registering in the poll in the polls. Um, and it could be that the disapproval is specifically linked to Biden and his age and is not trickling down to other Democrats. I think that's one possibility here. The other part and, and the other question is um, Biden, you know, Democrats disapprove of him within his party. And I think the other open question here is if Donald Trump is a Republican nominee, uh, you know, Biden's not running in a vacuum. Generic Republican performs really, really well. But obviously, he's going to be running against an actual Republican candidate. Um, Donald Tr Trump is not uncontroversial in, in the Republican Party. And the question will be, how is that going to play out uh, right now? I think we can say pretty confident, confidently. Um, Donald Trump is winning this election against Joe Biden. He is uh, he, he is performing pretty well uh, in the polls as the Republican nominee. And I think a lot of the reason for that is that he hasn't been out front and center. Um, he's tied up by these court battles. It's not the basement campaign, but it's the courtroom campaign. And that's actually working for him. Um, watching Joe Biden shuffling around like a nursing home patient uh, is painful and is not uh, is not helpful to him. He actually can't do this job. You can see, and I think you know, to what Emily was saying before, it is on what is uncomfortable for me is to watch him shuffling around and scheduled from like 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. There have been numerous stories written about that. And then to try to square that with the White House's insistence that this is the most energetic guy they've ever seen. And oh my gosh, his aides can't keep up with them. Uh, it reminds me of when Thad Cochran, the late Mississippi senator, was running um, for re-election in 2014 or 2015 at the age of like 94. And, and they all said that about him too um it's just not believable and uh, and people don't believe it feinstein yeah. they His did the same thing with, with him all you can yeah, think exactly. is what's wrong with those aids what happened to the what's yeah. what who what yeah. aids are these go ahead emily no, I was saying they did the same thing with Diane Feinstein, to Eliana's point. Every time it happens, uh, you know, and, and our, our friends over at Pravda just run with it sometimes. Sometimes they don't because it's so obvious they can't ignore it. But sometimes they're like, this is just, I, you know, I've read Axios reporting that takes, you know, it's it's seriously when these aides are telling them we just cannot keep up with this president. He's uh, he's so spry and mentally, you know, he's, he's 20 years old. It's just laughable. And, you know, the American public doesn't buy it. And I actually think that's an interesting element here as people have tried Wait. to figure before you, before you complete your yeah. thought. Sure, Dan. <laughs> Oh, it's like being on Howard Stern. Uh, <laughs> it's, um, you know, they they have this, the polling that shows the New York Times Siena poll that was super viral a couple of weeks ago, showing black support for Joe Biden dipping in a way that Democrats can't wrap their head around. You know, why would it happen between, you know, 2020, which by the way, was in the middle of the pandemic and now? Well, I really think a lot of it comes down to independent media sort of starting to bypass the gatekeepers. And I was just talking to a pollster on Breaking Points this morning who was in Georgia uh, recently recently talking to people who are, quote, double disapprovers. You know, they don't like Trump. They don't like Biden. And they're swinging for Trump. And one reason he said is that, you know, those viral clips for Joe Biden of him falling down, whatever else it is, the media has no control over those anymore. There's no gatekeepers. You're seeing them go viral on TikTok, on Instagram. And that is even more damaging for Joe Biden in this environment where there aren't gatekeepers, you know, who aren't playing that 24-7 on a loop. You know. Axelrod weighed in again. Axelrod is the one who kind of said he, he's going to have to make the decision about whether he steps down. It was a very clear message. Please step down for the good of the party and the country. And then Biden uh, 
uh, allegedly called him a prick. <laughs> and Maureen Dowd wrote a column on Sunday saying, David Axelrod, he's not a prick. And Axelrod said, I don't care what he calls me. It's fine. I don't, I don't care if they think I'm a prick. That's fine. He wrote, I hope they don't think the polls are wrong, though, because they're not. And he went on. I think Biden has a 50-50 shot here, but no better than that. Maybe worse, maybe a little worse. He thinks he can cheat nature here, and it's really risky. They've got a real problem if they are counting on Trump to win it for them. I remember Hillary doing that too. And Eliana, the thing is, uh, Trump beat Hillary. Trump never pulled this well against Hillary. For now in poll after poll, and we just got a new one, Trump's beating Biden. I don't think he ever was beating Hillary in one poll prior to the day he actually beat Hillary at the only poll that matters. Trump has never polled this well and Biden has never polled this poorly. It's a dangerous combination for Democrats. And Trump doesn't have the Trump doesn't have the nomination yet. But you have to keep in mind, he's who Democrats want to run against. Every other Republican candidate, Sans Vivek Ramaswamy, Vivek Ramaswamy, I don't want to pull a Donna Brazil here. I know we'll get to that. Um, but <laughs> polling better against Joe Biden. Nikki Haley in many polls is leading him by seven to 10 points. Uh, he's the one they want to face up again against. And Biden is polling quite poorly against him right now. I mean, the numbers are just, you know, you, you drill down on these and there's just no good news in this for Joe Biden. In fact, every every page is dreadful um, with young voters in particular. They can't stand him. I mean, the young voters do not want Joe Biden. He's got, I think it's a minus 70 um, approval rating. It's something absolutely dreadful. I'll, I'll pull it up, but he's got significant work to do. And uh, Megan, one he other have a thought. whole lot of time. Yeah. Uh, one other thought I had is Axelrod has been really out in front of this, just crapping on Biden uh, constantly on Twitter and in television interviews. Uh, one question I've had is, What's Obama going to do and say he came out um, in a long medium post um, and was further to the left on Israel than Biden? Um, he felt the need to come out and contradict the president on that. Um, is he going to come out and call on Biden to step aside? I think that's one question hanging in the air. Or is he going to come out and campaign with the president? Where's he going to land? Because he remains the most powerful and influential voice in the Democratic Party. And I think uh, all eyes are are going to be on him, at least in the press and in elite political circles. Um, where is he? It's a good point. Why why has he been so quiet? I mean, Axelrod's probably the closest thing we have right. to somebody who knows or who is a, effectively a mouthpiece yep. for President Obama. He hasn't said anything. This is his guy. Um, but... I think in the end, the Obamas will come home. In the end, they'll get out there. They will rally, in particular, the, vac the black vote for Joe Biden because Biden, I mean, Obama does not want to see Trump return to that office. I think he's probably right now hedging, hoping somebody else will replace Joe Biden. And he can get behind that person. Maybe the person's name is Michelle. Stand by <laughs> uh, and we'll talk more. One second, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with more of the Megan Kelly Show live on Sirius XM Triumph Channel 111 every weekday at noon east. Don't forget to go to youtube.com slash Megan Kelly to subscribe to our YouTube channel. We'll be right back. If your child is struggling in school, then IXL is right for your family. 
IXL is an online learning program for kids that covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. Backed by research, kids using IXL are scoring higher on tests. It's no wonder it's used in 95% of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Plus, a month of IXL costs less than an hour of tutoring. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com 20. Visit IXL.com 20 to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. So we mentioned it at the top of our last hour, but um, Eliana and yours truly and Elizabeth Vargas of News Nation are going to be the next three moderators at the next GOP primary debate. It happens on 12-6. Remember that 12-6, 12-6, 12-6. That's what I keep telling my kids. Just remember 12-6 uh, at 8 p.m. over on News Nation. And you can find News Nation. I always screw this up. I think it's findnn.com. I think it's findnn.com. But anyway, look it up between now and your... Uh, and debate night so you can watch it there and see what happens because in this race anything's possible my god anything's possible i mean given those polls we just discussed i don't exactly know why the gop would trade in trump right because like he's doing very well against joe biden but as you point out eliana some of the other candidates are polling at least even better against joe biden um so the gop has yet to vote it has time to make up its mind. Now, there were some developments in this primary race, including in New Hampshire. Over the past few weeks, what we have seen is DeSantis in a stall, Vivek down, and Nikki Haley up. And I think her plan is to do as well as she can in Iowa. I don't think she has any delusions about winning Iowa. Trump is more than likely to win Iowa, but DeSantis has all of his eggs in the Iowa basket. He's hoping to pull off an upset. She, I think, would love to come in second or third there. Then they go to New Hampshire, and I think she's hoping to win New Hampshire. And then come South Carolina. That's her home, state, her, her home state. And I think she's hoping to sort of parlay whatever victory she's had into a win there. Now, the odds are, if you're betting on horses, you would bet Trump's going to win all three of these by a landslide, according to the polls. I mean, he's way ahead. The latest New Hampshire poll, which is the state she's hoping to win, He's at 46. She's at 18. <laughs> she doesn't even have half what he has. Sometimes you kind of realize you're talking about fairyland. You know what I mean? You're like, she's she's moving up. She's moving into the number one position. Wait, no, she's not. <laughs> no, she's moving into the number two position behind Trump. In any event, the latest poll that I just referenced is out of the state of New Hampshire, Washington Post, Monmouth. Uh, and Trump is at 46. Haley's at 18. Christy's hanging in there at, at 11. I don't know why. Does it, does Christy have any momentum in any other state? I mean, okay, he's no one can tell him what to do. Ramaswamy's down at, at eight. And Eliana DeSantis is at seven. He's the lowest of all of them in New Hampshire. He's below Ramaswamy. Um, so it really does make you want, because DeSantis is not going to win South Carolina from the looks of it. So at this point, you have to ask yourself, what's his path? 
Exactly. When we look at polls, we tend not to look at them in isolation, but we look at trends in several polls. And from doing that, I think we can say the trend for DeSantis is not what he wants to see. He uh, started off really at a high point um, when he got when he jumped into this race and he's trended downward. Obviously not what you want to see. Vivek Ramaswamy, the same thing. He had a moment after that first debate and he's trended downward since then. Again, not what you want to see. Nikki Haley, the opposite. She's gained traction. She's had strong performances in the debates. She's obviously does well in that format. She's trended upwards. Um, I think DeSantis, he has to win Iowa. He's put all of his eggs in that basket. Nikki Haley, if she's going to get traction uh, electorally in this race, she's got to win New Hampshire. And that would really happen from Chris Christie dropping out and his voters going to Haley. Um, Let me just interrupt. Do you mean win beat Trump win? Or do you mean win the undercard? No, I think she's got to win. I think she has to win New Hampshire and then move and win South Carolina. To win the race, you have to win. You can't come in second. Um, Little known secret. Yeah, she's got to win New Hampshire. Um, She's got first or last. Uh, look, it's just my view. I obviously uh, I'm not not an expert in this stuff, but I think she has to win New Hampshire and she's got to win in South Carolina or she's got to come really, really close to him. Uh, one or two points um, in New Hampshire and win South Carolina. Um, but she's got to win one of these early states, um, period. It's join That's what I was screwed up, whether it's find or join Joinnn.com. Just in case you want to watch it live, that's what you should do, the debate. Um, What do you think, Emily? Because he's gotten some big new donors. Uh, This is in Axios. He raised $2 million for his 2024 run in 48 hours this past week. Um, This after many of his donors had already maxed out. So these are new donors. To me, this feels like a PR spin dropped by his people to a compliant Axios looking to generate any kind of good news for him. Now, he did get the endorsement of the Iowa governor, Kim Reynolds. That's big. And he does need to win Iowa. Win-win, as Eliana says. And at the same time he got that, uh, Donald Trump is attacking Kim Reynolds, <laughs> which I don't, you know, look, what people say who follow politics closely in Iowa is this stuff matters. Kim Reynolds matters. She's beloved there. And that it's not a good idea to attack her to Mr. Trump. He's now saying Kim Reynolds of Iowa has gone from a popular governor to the most unpopular governor in the U.S. Not an easy feat. Her endorsement of Ron DeSanctimonious, who is 50 points down to me in the polls, has given him exactly zero bounce. He's a wounded bird falling violently from the sky. He's big into the bird references. He calls Nikki Haley bird brain. Ron DeSantis is a wounded bird falling violently from the sky. We moved on from dog. It's poetic, really. Romantic. We moved on. Dog. I'd rather be a bird than a dog or a pig or a fat slob. <laughs> um, so you tell me, Emily, whether all his attack on Kim Reynolds and her endorsement of DeSantis and this new inflection of cash, does it have any chance of moving the needle in Iowa? It, absolutely not. I mean, ha- talking about these things <laughs> that would normally have great consequence in Iowa and any race that Donald Trump is not in. Um, I, I get it. I mean, it's it's Iowa is super interesting exactly because of things like that, because, you know, that governor, not, that governor endorsement is super important. But uh, there is no path 
for anybody right now, realistically, but Donald Trump. Because remember, the DeSantis campaign is working with its top consultant, Jeff Rowe, because he helped Ted Cruz win Iowa in 2016. And they thought if they could win Iowa, they would then leave Iowa with the momentum to go show they're strong and tank New Hampshire and keep on going down to South Carolina. Um, and so it, what, what we have seen is that's absolutely not happening. He can't even right now be close, in close range with Donald Trump. Maybe some people, if he got everyone else to drop out of the race before Iowa, uh, maybe, maybe he would have a chance. But as of right now, he's the one that's down in New Hampshire. So there's literally no incentive for anybody else to come in and give him that path from Iowa to New Hampshire to South Carolina. And there's no path for anyone else, Nikki Haley, for example, who's up in New Hampshire. Uh, it's true she's doing well in New Hampshire, but she's doing well for second place in New Hampshire and doing well for second place in South Carolina. If we were talking about her doing well for a potential first place in New Hampshire and then a potential first place in South Carolina, we might be talking about a race. But what we're talking about here is a race for second place, which now even Ron DeSantis is losing because he doesn't have the momentum that he needs in New Hampshire and South Carolina. And Nikki Haley isn't going to come anywhere close in Iowa. She's not going to come anywhere close in all, in all likelihood. She's not going to get close to Donald Trump in New Hampshire. Hampshire, South Carolina, it could change. If Chris Christie drops out, uh, that's a huge boost. That's 11%. That's a lot of voters, I suspect, would go to Nikki Haley and gets her closer to that 35, 40% range. Uh, so then you might have a race. Uh, but other than that, other than that, it's still a race mm -hmm. for second place because Donald Trump is up by double digits everywhere you look. You know, way back when I was in law school, I was in the finals of this appellate argument competition with my partner. And the night of the finals, we got to have dinner with three judges from New York State's highest court, which is called the Court of Appeals. And it was so exciting to meet them. We were young. We, you know, we were clueless and green, but really excited. And it was myself, my partner, and then the, the team that we were going to go up against who were friends of ours too. And my partner, Dave, said to the judges, you know, I'm, this is just such an honor. Like, we've already won no matter what happens, we're winners tonight. And one of the judges looked at him and said, second place is losing son. <laughs> <laughs> just from, just a reminder before we went out there, second place is losing. That's, we need that reminder now. Like we, you get sucked in. Well, like about, Oh, was, this one's moving up. This one's moving down. Really, truly. You have to keep your eyes on the one who's above them all. He's up, he's up here and they're all way down here. Now something huge could happen. Who are we to say something huge cannot happen? He's under indictment in four places, yada, yada. He's not a spring chicken, but he's only getting stronger. Trump is only getting stronger, not, not only versus the GOP field, but versus Joe Biden. Just more on that discussion we had before the break. CNN, uh, there, Harry Enten pointing out Joe Biden is facing a near historic deficit for an incumbent to what you said, Eliana, over the past 80 years. Incumbents have, on average, led their eventual challengers by a little more than 10 points about a year out from the election, where we are right now. That's the average. If you're in the incumbent, you have the advantage, and you tend to lead by more than 10 points one year before the vote. He's losing. He's lo this incumbent is losing to Donald Trump. He says it's a small but clear advantage over Biden right now. It makes Biden just the second president since scientific polling began to trail in his reelection bid at this point in the campaign. Take a look Joe at Joe Biden was also surveys. alive when scientific polling began. That's <laughs>
<laughs> That's his experience, which we should be very grateful for, Emily. Right. You young, <laughs> right. you young whippersnapper. Um, <laughs> he says, take a look at recent national surveys from CBS News, YouGov, CNN, Fox News, Marquette, Quinnipiac. All five are high quality polls. All five give Trump an advantage of two to four points over Biden among registered or likely voters. Um, it's he says altogether, they paint a picture of an inc incumbent with a real problem. And then he says, in fact, the lone incumbent to be behind in the polls at this point in the race one year out was Trump, who trailed Biden for, by about 10 points in November 2019. And Trump lost. Trump lost. So, I mean, the writing's on the wall. They don't they don't seem to recognize it. And all the write ups that I've read today from, you know, more left wing or more centrist publications with access to Democratic strategists who know Joe Biden, they all say he's not he's not going anywhere. It's a pipe dream. You remember Vivek at the last debate? Tell us who the real candidate is. And he says, you know, he's going to step aside. Just make it happen right now. So we know who we're running against. No, what they're saying, Eliana, is it's not going to happen. Joe Biden is not listening to David Axelrod or any of these polls. He keeps saying, look at what happened in 2022. Look at what happened in 2023 in the midterm or off year elections. I didn't poll well. I wasn't particularly popular, but the Democrats came home. When push comes to shove, they'll come home. And I'm not going anywhere, 81 or not. Well, he wasn't on the ballot in 2022 or in the 2023 special elections. And the question is, um, will voters come home when he is on the ballot? But one thing that I think is important to uh, to talk about for Biden that I think is very relevant is the advantages of incumbency and whether he's actually able to capitalize on them. Um, in incumbency typically does carry with it huge advantages because obviously um, the president has an enormous bully pulpit that um, a challenger simply doesn't have. Um, but I think Biden can't um, capitalize on them in the way that other incumbents have been able to. Um, he doesn't give a lot of speeches. He doesn't do a lot of press conferences. He doesn't stop and talk to the press in the way that previous incumbents have. And he's simply not able to take advantages of the typical um, the the, uh, the typical advantages of incumbency, particularly when it comes to the communication platform of the White House. You know, they call it the Rose Garden strategy. Uh, you can give those speeches. You can use the White House, all the backdrops. There's a lot of majesty that comes with it. With it. Well, his aides don't want him out there. Um, he screws up. He looks old. And I think that's a real factor at play in this election that um, you have to discount and uh, take away some of those advantages because Biden's simply not able to uh, to use them. I'm all about the memory lane today, because when you say his aides don't want him out there, all I can think of is that line from Arthur, one of the greatest movies ever, you know, Dudley Moore, the drunk billionaire. Most of you know me. Can you blame them? Of course, they don't want him out there. Every time he goes out there, he can't find his words. He can't find his people. He can't find where to stand. He trips, he stumbles, whatever. Oh, in fact, we got we got one of those examples coming in right now. Um, just today, he reportedly struggled. We're going to show it to you. I haven't seen it yet. Through a an incomprehensible joke about Taylor Swift's concert in Rio de Janeiro, de, de Janeiro during what should be a very simple event, the turkey pardoning at the White House. He said, very simple. You're pardoned. I pardon you. I pardon you. Nope. 
he, he went off script. And let's find out together what happened. Now, just to get here, Liberty and Bell had to beat some tough odds in competition. They had to work hard to show patience and be willing to travel over a thousand miles. You could say even this harder than getting a, a ticket to the Renaissance tour or 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 Britney's tour. She's down in <laughs> it's kind of warm in Brazil right now. What? What? <laughs> what did the Renaissance tour or the what tour? I think he said Britney. Did he say Britney? Yeah. yeah. He said Britney. Sounded like he He's, said Britney. I think he confused Britney's. <laughs> and that's not even the worst. I mean, that's a mild oh Biden gaffe. It's hilarious, but it's like, it, it's not even as bad as it gets. And it's really bad. I mean, for any of the I think presidents. we need to hear it again. Do we need to hear it again? I think. Can yeah. We listen to it one more yeah. Time? Ten more times. To, I don't understand what happened. Now, just to get here, Liberty and Bell had to beat some tough odds in competition. They had to work hard to show patience and be willing to travel over a thousand miles. You could say even this harder than getting a, a ticket to the Renaissance tour or, or, or Britney's tour. She's down in, it's kind of warm in Brazil right now. Oh God. Hmm. Oh God. Mm-hmm. I'm so close. No, not close at all. And you know, an aide wrote that for him. I mean, this is where it's just ridiculous. They're they're writing easy copy for the pardoning of the Thanksgiving turkeys, and some Liberty aide and thinks Bell. it's Liberty and Bell thinks it's a good idea to try to a have him pronounce the word Renaissance, b be able to connect the dots that that's somehow related back to a pop star who's named Taylor Swift. I mean, he doesn't well, know what, what, what why decade is he saying the Renaissance tour? The, the Taylor Swift tour is called the Eras tour. I don't know where Renaissance came from. Britney Spears is not on tour. Um, she, she hasn't been in a while. I I don't understand any piece of what just happened there, Eliana. But Emily's point is a good one. I don't think the aide set him up for success. Don't make, don't give him pop references that he can't land if he happens to go off script or lose prompter for two seconds. It's obvious to everyone he doesn't know what the Eras tour is. It's not an appropriate reference for a, for an 81 year old guy. Uh, let's stick to dog face pony soldier. That was a good. One. <laughs> oh, wait, the Renaissance tour is Beyonce's tour. Okay. Yes. That's what so I we, thought. I should have so known mixed that. Up three different pop figures. We've got Beyonce, Brittany and Taylor conflated into one woman. But did his staff mess that up or did he? Because now I'm wondering, obviously he messed it up no matter what. He couldn't even say the name of whoever he's trying to reference. It sounded like Britney. It's, and then he goes and talks about Brazil. So is it messed up? Did his staff refer to the Taylor Swift concert because he somehow has Brazil on his paper and in his head? Did they confuse it with the Beyonce tour? And then it double confused Joe Biden, who has no idea what any of this is and thinks probably okay, the biggest pop star is, I don't even know. It's someone from the 50s so, this, so here's an uh, here's an update um media pointing out that that okay so first of all taylor swift is the one who's in brazil beyonce's launching a tour called the renaissance tour it's it's not as far as we can tell in brazil that's taylor swift who's in brazil he points out that he says it's kind of warm in brazil right he says she's down in it's kind of warm in brazil right now this comes after a woman died at a Taylor Swift performance there and it made massive headlines. So I, 
there's like four stories in one in what he has access to the nuclear codes. Okay. (laughs) He was meeting with the president of a nuclear power last week. Xi Jinping. I mean, this is the same guy. (laughs) This is this. Yeah. This is why the numbers are so dreadful in particular with the young people. I told you I'd get you the numbers that I was talking about. Um, It's young people's approval of how he's handling the Israel-Hamas war. Uh, Among 18 to 20-year-olds, 70% disapprove. 70% disapprove of how he's handling that. Now, I don't know what's in there. Is that that TikTok? I don't know. Kornacki again saying he's 50 points underwater among young voters. It's dreadful, but of course, his age is their biggest complaint. We've seen that in poll after poll. It's the biggest complaint across all age groups. They can tell us as much as they want that the AIDS can't keep up with him. You can see with our eyes and ears. It's a lie. All right, let's go back to the GOPers because, oh God. <laughs> oh God. Who did that? I know Steve. That was Steve. It's a montage. Yes. Oh God. I don't know. It's our mean, mean crew. <laughs> Debbie and Steve. Megan, can we just well, flash back for five seconds about all the yeah. news coverage we had when Donald Trump held on to the handle for three seconds when he went down the stairs on Air Force One? That was like yes. a week of stories about Trump and his age. Um, or the 25th Amendment. We, how many times did we have to talk about the 25th Amendment being invoked? Oh, God. Oh God this is terrible. <laughs> this is Debbie. Debbie Murphy did it. Steve. Steve Krakauer would like you to know. <laughs> Steve's off the hook. This poor guy. Um, oh, God. There you go. Oh, oh my God. It's falling everywhere. I've, Debbie, I haven't seen this. When did you put this together? Oh, that was okay. a sandbag. She said it was in our system. Um, before we move off of Trump, or before we, I want to go back to the GOPers, but one thing that's not going to happen from the looks of it is Trump's not going to be booted off these ballots uh, in Minnesota and Colorado and some other states as an insurrectionist. We had told our audience that this is one possible lane available for the undercard candidates. You know, if Trump can't get on the ticket on voting day in Colorado and Minnesota and Michigan and other states, swing states that were toying with this challenge, oh, he's an insurrectionist and under the 14th Amendment, he's automatically disqualified. Some legal scholars were saying that on the left and the right. We said it was bullshit. Well, it is bullshit. A Colorado court just had a long trial, week long, and found he is an insurrectionist, they said, that he did incite the January 6th uh, riot. However, uh, they don't believe the 14th Amendment applies to the U.S. president, only to other offices. So it didn't happen there. And if it didn't happen there, it's not going to happen elsewhere, more than likely. So that lane closing, these guys are going to have to earn it the old-fashioned way by just beating Trump and getting more voters. Um, And so far, it doesn't look all that promising. We mentioned Vivek. Vivek? turned up on the Bill Maher show this week, not in person, but by name, when my old pal, I did not cheat to help Hillary Clinton, Donna Brazile, was on with Bill Maher. It's amazing to me. She gave Hillary Clinton the debate questions. She gave her the debate questions. And she still gets employed by people. This is when she was running the DNC, one of the top people at the DNC and on CNN. Um, Debbie Wiseman Schultz, I think was right, but she was a top executive and she got hired by Fox news after that. 
She's on CNN all the time. There she is on Bill Maher. You can actually cheat at a presidential debate. And I guess if you're Donna Brazil, no one gives a shit. Like, come right here, sign a contributorship deal. Okay. So here she was talking about Vivek Ramaswamy in what an exchange that got a lot of attention. Watch. And Vivek needs to just shut the hell up and go home. I'm tired. We all hate Vivek. Okay. It's it's Vivek. Vivek. Well, what Not that I have... Vivek. It, whatever. Would you, would you say that about uh, other? Donna, ethnic? I'm Donna. Vivek. Is it Vivek Ramasama? <laughs> <laughs> Ramaswamy? Ramaswamy. Thank you so much. I, I know, learn so much when I come on this show. I know. But... Vivek. Vivek. Vivek needs to go home. I agree. I just, I just feel like there's something wrong with everybody refusing to learn to say his name. Vivek. I just okay, feel I there's will... a little racism there. Hmm. Wow. And then Vivek weighed in. Posting on X, I wonder what they'd do if a white Republican intentionally mispronounced Donna's name and then told her to return home. Ooh, ooh. Shots fired. What do you make of it, Emily? Well, yeah, I, I think the way Vivek responded was correct because Bill Maher saying something is racist or might be a little racist doesn't actually make it racist from my perspective because, you know, they, that's, you know, precipitate. She's, she's saying go home. This is, I, I don't even think this is a charitable reading, but let's say it is of what she's saying. I think she's saying he needs to get out of the race and stop wasting everybody's time. That's how I interpreted right. what she said. I do think, though, this is the point Vivek is making, and it's smart, that if the roles were reversed and if she was a white republican strategist saying this about uh you know a, a vivek ramaswamy on the democrat in the democratic primary said go home refused to learn to pronounce his name then yes there would be think pieces in HuffPost about how it was racism people would be sharing their sad personal stories of racism and connecting the dots and saying this is what i experience every single day as vivek ramaswamy uh, so i think that's the correct response i i, I don't think the correct response is to say Donna Brazil is racist against Vivek Ramaswamy. I think the correct response is that she's a, a hypocrite against Vivek Ramaswamy. Yeah. And to be fair, she's... it's a hard name. Yeah. I don't know if she is racist, but she's definitely a cheater. She's a cheater. She cheated on a presidential debate. I had her on, on Fox News the night of the debate, then when it had broken, or the night of one of the debates, and it had broken. And she didn't know, like, she still came on. And this is what happened. Look at, this is the person we're talking about. You were accused of receiving a debate question before a CNN town hall. Where you had this question on, on March 12th, the, that verbatim, verbatim was provided by Roland Martin to CNN the next day. How did you get that question, Donna? Well, Kelly, since I play straight up and I'll play straight up with you, uh, I did not receive any questions from CNN. The WikiLeaks released a March 12th Podesta email showing I you do. messaging the Clinton campaign with the exact wording of a question asked at the March 13th Kelly, CNN TV Kelly, One town hall debate. Kelly, Where did you get it? I, 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 you know, as a Christian woman, I understand persecution, but I will not sit here and be persecuted because your information is totally false. What you're, what you're I'm telling getting the American it from Podesta's people, email. What, what you're, what, what you're, well, Podesta's emails were stolen. 
you're so interested in talking about stolen so you material, deny you're it. like you're like a thief that want to bring into the night the things that you found that was in the gutter. When you said stuff from time to time, I get the questions in advance. What were you referring to? A lot of those emails, I would not give them the time of the day. I persecuted her. I was, I was the one lying. She was caught. She wound up having to admit it and apologize, but she did not apologize to me for calling her Kelly. me a persecutor, Kelly. <laughs> I'm I, seriously like I'm just I'm amazed that this person still has a job. She cheated at a town hall, not a debate. Um, she said later, leaking leaking the town hall topics to the Clinton campaign was a quote mistake I will forever regret. So just want people to remember that every time they see Donna Brazil being promoted by Fox News, by CNN, by Bill Maher. What is she doing on there? She, every introduction should start with Donna Brazil, who cheated in the presidential campaign when Hillary Clinton appeared at a town hall. It's disgusting. OK, I'm working something out there, but I'm just saying he also lied about it. Right. I think that's the the other thing. She knew that that wasn't a fake email that had been manipulated by Russian hackers. And then she went on your TV show, basically tried to turn the tables, attack a journalist and saying that you and say you were spreading lies when she knew damn well because she sent the email that she the email was real. So not only did she cheat, she then lied about it and attacked journalists based on that lie. It's true. Honestly, like. I'll tell you, th this is like an irritant to me because ever since my my departure from NBC News, like literally every article they write about me includes Omega oh, and Kelly who defended blackface, which is not exactly what happened at all. We were talking about how people used to wear it and how did the standards change? Whatever. I mean, literally every single article. And you look at, guess who's hosting the Oscars this year? Jimmy Kimmel has worn blackface so many times. He wore blackface, spoke in a a, a urban accent. He put on a fat suit to be Oprah Winfrey and talked about how he needed to darn socks as a black fat Oprah Winfrey hosting the Oscars. They don't mention that every time they introduce Jimmy Kimmel. You think that's going to be in his Oscars introduction? I don't think so. Donna Brazil, every time they introduce Donna Brazil in an article or on TV, you think they mention the fact that she cheated at a presidential town hall when the future of the country's leadership was in the balance, she cheated. Nope. She gets paid contrib contributorships at this network and that network on the left, on the right, goes on Bill Mars. I just like, I'm so over the left's hypocrisy. And to Vivek Ramaswamy's point, he's absolutely right. Because you know how many pieces there have been written about how these angry white male conservatives won't properly pronounce Kamala Harris's name because of racism racism. My team just pulled one for me just for kicks. Oh my God, this publication is a joke. This refinery 29. Why are Republicans mispronouncing Kamala Harris's name? Racism. And they go through all the evil right wing commentators uh, and why they won't say it properly. Tucker Carlson, number one. I mean, Tucker Carlson, he does that stuff for humor. And frankly, most of us found it very funny. <laughs> um, <laughs> like. Don Lemon. Tucker knows how Don Lemon's last name is pronounced. He's mocking him. He's diminishing him in, in like an intentional way. In any event, Vivek's exactly right. If you're a white guy, you don't get away with that crap. If you're Donna Brazil, you get away with everything. Everything. Um, okay, I want to go back to 
alleged anti-Semitism because there is news on a story that's been out there quite a bit, and that involves Candace Owens. I don't know if you two have been following this whole controversy, but she's in a big fight with Ben Shapiro over at the Daily Wire. Um, she, she's been very critical of Israel and suggested they're committing a genocide, among other things. And she sounds a lot like some of these Students for Justice in Palestine protesters. Um, and so Ben, of course, is one of the most prominent Jews in America, and he's been very defensive of Israel. And there's a tension there. So he was caught on camera saying he thinks her behavior has been disgraceful, that she's a faux intellect, intellectual or faux sophisticate, and uh, that she's kind of been exposed in all this. And she tweeted out that he's been emotionally unhinged and that everybody's been running around, tr you know, trying not to upset him for these weeks, but this is ridiculous. And then these Bible verses suggesting she was being persecuted. And it just start, spiraled downward, downward, downward. Well, Jeremy Boring, who is Ben's co-founder of, of the Daily Wire, tweeted out over the weekend, we're not going to be firing Candace. Um, he said, Ben and I don't make those decisions anymore. We're not like Ben's, uh, uh, Jeremy's off doing something else right now. And Ben doesn't make hiring and firing decisions. She's not going to get fired. I think that, I think honestly, this is my own take. They would love to see her quit. Ben's tweet said, if you want to quit, go right ahead. Um, Daily Wire is not in the business of shutting down people's opinions. They've got very controversial ones over there and they haven't shut anybody down so far. I don't know why they'd start with her. Enter David Horowitz. Now, David Horowitz is a very prominent Jewish American who we featured on the show not long ago, not live, but a clip from 2010 where he was giving a speech at a university and this young woman stood up and tried to get on him for things he had said at the speech and he recognized her wearing that you know, that same Palestinian flag that we see out on the street now, or scarf. And he said, let me just put it this way. Somebody once said, I want all the Jews to be in Israel because I'll have to work less hard to exterminate them. Something like that. For it or against it. And she said, for it. So he just, he was very effective in making his case. That's David Horowitz. He's now coming for Candace saying, look, we once had her at our David Horowitz Freedom Center. She was then little known. We had her to our annual Restoration Weekend gathering of conservatives, and we believed in her. That's why we're so disappointed in what she has become. He says, back then she had an ambitious plan to improve the black vote for Republicans. It's not clear what happened to that. Instead of liberating the black community, Candace began giving platforms to anti-Israel voices like Andrew Tate, a Muslim convert who said that ISIS are the real Muslims because ISIS do exactly what the book says. Because of our history with Candace and our hope that she would pull out of this spiral, we did not make an issue of it. But we've decided to issue the present statement because of our recent promotion of Hamas's genocidal lies. For example, she's falsely compared Israel to the segregated South. This is the sort of ignorant apartheid state slander we expect from Black Lives Matter and the Jew killers of the Middle East. When Candace implied that Israel was engaged in genocide for defending itself against the atrocities committed by Hamas, that's the kind of genocidal lie we expect to hear from Hamas. Instead of focusing on the meaningful activism and defense of American values that brought her to our attention, Candace Owens has become obsessed with her own fame, stirring up drama to compensate for a lack of real achievement. Her comments about Israel and her, and her promotion of people like Tate are part of a pattern. Candace tackles a subject she knows nothing about, 
never bothers to learn anything about it, and then rides the backlash by playing the victim to generate more fame and money. What a tragic misuse of talents. He goes on to say, she has become AOC. She hates Israel for the same reason AOC does, fame. She proves she knows as little about Israel as AOC does, et cetera, et cetera. She's become a sad caricature. I mean, this is about as strong an attack and a punch as I've seen from David Horowitz. What's happening? What's happening with this, Eliana, and what's happening on the right when it comes to Israel? That's a big question, Megan. There are a couple things that have jumped out to me about this. Uh, One is about the Daily Wire and one is about um, free speech generally. Um, One thing that has emerged is Ben has stepped forward and um, dared her to quit. And it has emerged that he doesn't make hiring or firing decisions there. Jeremy has stepped forward and said, well, I'm, I'm on leave and I don't make hiring or firing decisions there. Well, presumably somebody does there. And the two co-founders of this prominent um, right-wing brand are both saying, uh, we're not in charge here without saying who actually is. And well, absolutely, Candace Owens is entitled to her opinions and her and entitled to, uh, to say whatever she wants. The Daily Wire is not obligated to provide her with a prominent platform and millions of dollars for broadcasting her opinion. Uh, they are entitled to tell her uh, to that she can seek another platform to do that. Um, And I would say the litigation of these disputes on social media is such a modern day um, embarrassing thing that is selling Mm. what at one point was um, a nice brand um, for the right that is now going to be, I think, sullied by this gross dispute between its leaders. That's just not something that that I personally like to see um, that that is just embarrassing. Um, Let me ask you you a follow up on that. You think they should fire her for her opinions on the Israel thing? I'm not saying they should fire her. Uh, That's not my decision. But um, but it is striking to see the two people who identify themselves on their website as the co-founders say, we don't make these decisions. Well, somebody does. Uh, and it would nice. It would be nice to know who that person is. Um, and it, to me, this is not a free speech issue. She's entitled to say what she wants, but she's not entitled to the platform and all the money that that comes along with it. Well, it depends yeah. on what her deal says. You know, her deal may say. Absolutely. Typically, they would say, if you bring the company into disrepute, we have the right to fire you Absolutely. without paying you out. Uh, but I don't know what her deal says. Absolutely. And I think you said something along the lines of like they're not in the business of um, of policing speech. Really, that's their decision. Uh, It's their decision to decide whether they want their brand to be associated with a person like this who sits down with Tucker Carlson in what I thought was one of the most disgraceful interviews. Others uh, may and I'm sure do disagree. Um, But the things that were said in that 35 minute long interview um, where they complained that the emotional the emotion that Americans and American politicians, the emotional reaction they have had to the October 7th massacre in Israel is disproportionate it to what happens and that we have an invasion in this country by immigrants, you know, comparing illegal immigration in this country to what happened in Israel and why aren't people having the same response to that, I thought brought to bear some of the most noxious anti-Semitic tropes uh, that we've seen throughout history. Um, 
I think somebody there should decide whether they want one of the most prominent faces of their brand to continue to be such and to continue to reap fame and fortune from from their brand. Mm. What do you think, Emily? I have a lot of thoughts on this. I will say I, I don't think that I would fire her specifically because I think she's basically one of the TikTok people discovering Osama bin Laden's letter to America. And that sounds really harsh, but I don't mean it in as harsh of a way it sounds. I actually think we do a really bad job teaching our history and the history, especially of the Cold War in this country. And so now you have younger people, people you know in their 20s, maybe even early 30s, like Candace Owens, I think is you know, somewhere around my age she discovering a lot of things like there a, a lot of things about us policy etc cetera, etc cetera, uh, over the last 20 30 40 50 years that are surprising and because they didn't know these things and because these things were treated as forbidden truths as things you couldn't talk about um they're really powerful and and people who are learning them for the first time you know the sort of anti-american narrative about israel uh, the anti-american narrative about you know the Tal the taliban and the cold war and the mujahideen and all of that uh it makes people when they learn it for the first time automatically say i thought america was good America did something bad. America must be entirely bad. And you see that with Candace Owens bringing Norm Finkelstein onto her show, all mm, of these right. sorts of these people that are bitterly at their core, Howard Zinn style, anti-American, anti-Western, anti-capitalist leftists. And, and it's really powerful when younger people sort of discover that a lot of things uh, that are forbidden truths are actually have some you know factual backing up to them. And then they, they take that and suddenly everything becomes a lie. And that's what you saw some of the people on TikTok saying. And I think that's basically what Candace Owens is saying. She basically feels like everything she was told about the US and Israel is a lie because a couple of things are lies and because we ban and censor a couple of those things. That doesn't make America bad. It doesn't make the whole thing a lie. Um, I just think we we do need to, in general, you know, not treat certain things like they're uh, forbidden truths. Let them be aired out. Let her air out her ignorance. She's done that fabulously over the last couple of weeks. She's been in debates with people on her show looking ridiculous because she doesn't know basic facts about Israel. Let it happen. I think that's more powerful uh, than if Ben could wave a magic wand and fire her. I think it's more powerful to let her continue to say these things. Well, again, we don't know what the deal says. I will say that I'll, I'll predict right now that when it comes time to renew the deal, that's not going to work out. <laughs> Unless it's not a good match. It's just not a good match. The Daily Wire they are true conservatives. They're they're vocal in their opinions. They have different opinions. We've had all of them on the show, from Matt Walsh to Michael Knowles to Andrew Clavin, of course, to Ben. Um, I mean, Candace is her own particular brand, and she is extremely incendiary. She's look, I'm that's all I'm gonna say. Uh, I'll just say I don't think her brand aligns with theirs. And I think there will be a natural parting of the ways when the contract ends. And I think that's a good thing in particular for The Daily Wire. All right, stand by. We'll come right back, right? And yeah, okay, I got, I got lost. Where am I? It's Monday. Uh, more with the EJs after this. Hey, everyone, it's me, Megan Kelly. Mark your calendars. News Nation, Sirius XM, December 6th in a live primetime event. The News Nation Republican primary debate. Sirius XM's Megan Kelly returns to the moderator's seat. I'll ask the questions you want to hear. Real issues, 
Tough questions, every contender. Because if you want to be the leader of the free world, you better be ready to give America the answers they're looking for. Live from the University of Alabama, the News Nation Republican primary debate. Moderated by Sirius XM's Megyn Kelly and News Nation's Elizabeth Vargas. December 6th, 8 p.m. Eastern. Watch it on News Nation, America's fastest growing cable news network. Find News Nation on your screen at joinnn.com or listen on Sirius XM Triumph Channel 111. Go to SiriusXM.com slash MKShow to subscribe and get three months free. Offer details apply. The News Nation Republican primary debate. See you on the debate stage. To find News Nation on your TV, go to JoinNN.com. If your child is struggling in school, then IXL is right for your family. IXL is an online learning program for kids that covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. Backed by research, kids using IXL are scoring higher on tests. It's no wonder it's used in 95% of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Plus, a month of IXL costs less than an hour of tutoring. Get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when you sign up today at IXL.com 20. Visit IXL.com 20 to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. <laughs> Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for up to half the cost. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Savings based on cost of Consumer Cellular single line 1, 5, and 10 gig data plans with unlimited talk and text compared to lowest cost single line postpaid unlimited talk text and data plans offered by T-Mobile and Verizon January 2024. All right, so this has nothing to do with anything, but I've got to get it off my chest. I went to Chicago two weekends ago out for a girl's trip. It was amazing. We did a little shopping on the Saturday. I walked into a store. I'm going to do the store, the courtesy of not naming them, but it was a women's clothing store. I bought a coat. I go to the register and I give her my card and she says, email, please. And I say, I'm not in your system. And she says, oh, no, I, I need it for your receipt. And I said, well, I don't want to provide that. So I just give me a paper receipt. And she looks at me and says, well, then it's final sale. I'm like, well, why, why, is it a, why is it final sale? She said, because you're not going to have a receipt. I said, I want a paper receipt. I don't want to be in your system. Just give me a paper receipt. She said, well, what if you lose it? I said, that is for me to worry about. Now, whatever happened to the paper receipt, it was a young person who like didn't live in the time where we just walk in, we give the credit card, the credit card works, you get the hard copy receipt back and you walk away. This is not a friendship. It's not the beginning of a beautiful relationship. We don't get to exchange emails and you get my home address and you get my phone number and, my, and you can call me or email me or send my information or sell it to anybody who you want. It's all up to me. Give me my paper receipt. And if I lose it, it's my problem, not yours. What is happening? Emily, you're a young person. D do you remember the time when it was all about the paper receipt? Why is everybody asking for your email now when you try to make a simple purchase at a clothing store? Yeah, no, of course. I mean, you would save your receipts for forever. I mean, depending on how long the return period was, you have stacks <laughs> of receipts. I still have stacks of receipts in my wallet. And to yes. her question, what if you what if you delete the email? I mean, I, like, what if you accidentally delete the email? <laughs> Thirty days goes by, and it's it's out of your 
trash can. Like that doesn't make any sense. Do you think she like wanted your email? Yeah, no, this is happening more and more. I, there's all these stores here where I am in Connecticut. Whenever you make a woman's clothing purchase, they want your email. It's like, why would I give you my email? We, they, we're not having an ongoing relationship here. You give me your email. What's your email, madam? Let's right. Like she's not going to want to because you know what they do, Eliana. Then they sell the list and then you get a thousand emails from all these other people you don't want to hear from. And it's valuable to them, but not to me. Oh, this is my pet peeve. And also it makes the checkout process about 15 minutes long because it's what's your email, what's your address, what's your cell phone number. And I feel bad because I get chippy with them. I'm like, I don't want to be in the system. I don't want to provide my information. Right. Like just, just let me pay you. That's it. Right. I want it to be you, like a 10 second process. You're holding my credit card. That is the extent of our relationship. If that thing goes through, it's over between us. You just I, give I'm me the totally little paper. She was like paper receipt. She was clearly like this high maintenance bitch who wants to wants me to print out the I'm like <laughs> sister. This is the way it's been done since the beginning of time or the beginning Did you get of paper. The receipt? Did you get it? Did yes, I got out? the receipt. But it was true. It was truly like, hello, Janice. You're not one. She wants a hard copy receipt. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> should I report this, you? <laughs> this is a basic responsibility of yours. This is not high maintenance. Anyway. It's, it drives me nuts. And I also do not appreciate the people at like the coffee places that want you to tip the person, not even the coffee place, like, you know, the deli where like the whole part of the deal is like, okay, I'll take the chicken sandwich. Okay. Here's your chicken sandwich. And they're like, would you like to give a 15% tip? Like, why, why would I, what do you mean? This is basic service. It's supposed to be included in the price of my chicken sandwich. Okay. With that, have a wonderful Thanksgiving ladies. <laughs> Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks Megan. Thank you for letting me vent. I know all of you can relate. And thanks to all of you for listening to us. Tomorrow, we're going to have former mobster turned motivational speaker and YouTube host, Michael Franzese. You're going to enjoy that. See you then. Thanks for listening to The Megan Kelly Show. No BS, no agenda, and no fear. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.